I'm joined by Alfie Potts Harmer, author of England's Greatest Defender, The Untold Story of Neil Franklin. Uh, Alfie, if you could just give our listeners maybe a bit of background into you and uh, how you've ended up uh, writing this book. Well, I first well, I first found out about Neil when I was uh, just a kid from my granddad who was a Hull City fan and he'd watched Neil sort of a little bit later on in his career when he played for us. I'm a Hull City fan, <laughs> in case you haven't guessed. Um, and uh, so I knew a little bit about his story. And then when I became a football writer and I set my own website, which sort of focused on quirky and historical players and events and uh, I remember the story of Neil and it was just perfect for that that sort of uh, genre so I, I I wrote quite a long form piece about him and it was I think it was the, the second best sort of performing article I'd had on my website and I got quite a lot of people talking about it and then I, I, so it sort of popped up on some of the forums and people were saying it'd make a good film or a book and uh I didn't, I didn't know how I'd make a film but I thought there was a chance of it being a good book I thought it was of all the stories I did it seemed to be the one with the most depth to it and, and not a lot of people knew about it and um, but but then I couldn't at first I mean that that was in the summer of 2015 and I couldn't get in touch with any of Neil's family so I thought I thought the opportunity had gone and then uh, about in January 2017, it was that I, it was Pete Smith that the uh, Stoke Sentinel managed to get me in touch with Neil's son Gary, and then uh, that's how it all started, really. Uh, Pete Smith is a legend. I should uh, point out at this juncture, he's, he's helped us out with. He, he knows everyone, Pete Smith. But um, yeah, uh, so uh, yeah, so. Um, so being Hall fan, then how's he? How's he kind of uh, regarded in Hall? Is he is he kind of held up with this, the same esteem as he is uh, in Stoke? Do you get the impression? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously not not quite this the same regard. It was he, he had um, terrible injury problems when he was at, at Hull. He only played just under half of all the games during his time at the club that he was actually available for because he's. Yeah, he had two really serious knee injuries, but um, the 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 excitement of when he signed it was holding in the second division at the time, and it was quite a shocking sign. His first uh, game in the reserves, there were over sixteen thousand people there, which is probably probably about double we'll get for the first team next season. So, show show the level of excitement there, and um, no, he he's he often crops up in sort of all time Hull City 11s, even though it wasn't actually Neil at his very very best at it when he was in Hull. Mm. Uh, so, uh, uh, as the title suggests, then England's greatest defender. Uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't that familiar with Neil Franklin, can you maybe give us a bit of a uh, a rundown as to as to why he is so highly regarded and, and and why why he is England's greatest defender? Well, it's not. I would say it's not just his ability. Neil was decades ahead of his time in terms of his his style of play. He was uh, a purist, a, a footballing idealist that even when you read some of the things that he wrote now, it's, he seems sort of in the Pep Guardiola extreme mould of uh, refusing to ever hit the ball long, regardless of circumstance. So obviously in the late 1940s, that was even more alien. 
and uh, he faced a lot of criticism and um, he, he was just an anomaly really at the time but ultimately his insistence on playing the way he played made him the best centre half in Europe and um, you know fans absolutely loved watching a, a centre half who would you know intercept the ball with players around him and he'd shimmy past one and he'd play it out to the flank and it was it, it was just unheard of really uh, so when you came to to write in the book, then you mentioned you you got in touch with Neil's family. What were, what were they able to uh, bring to light for you, and and what what kind of things did you discover during the process of writing it? Uh, well, I think uh, Gary Nielsen was a, a little apprehensive at first, but I just um, you know I stayed I stayed on the phone with him for a while and we got talking, and then in the end we'd sort of talk no, normally every week, and I'd t- I'd have found out something. Tell him, and he'd have remembered a, a little story. And um, no, there's a lot, lots of interesting things. It was a, you know, the nicest was when I could tell him something that I'd come across, or because I was rifling through, you know, old, old programs that I was picking up off eBay and finding out little, little stories to tell him. Um, and he was trying to remember <laughs> all of Neil's family because there was he was one of eight, so it was quite um, right, right quite challenging for him to remember everything but and uh, Gary was only very young when because obviously a lot of the book centres on the earlier part of Neil's career when he's playing for England and then when he went off to Columbia and um, Gary went with him but he was only, he was only uh, five years old at the time so he can't his, his memories are not the clearest of, of that time but uh, yeah so he made 142 appearances for Stoke. Um, what did did you manage to uncover any kind of uh, interesting tidbits about his his, his time at uh, Stoke then? Because he he is kind of a name all Stoke fans know without maybe uh, kind of knowing a great deal about his career. That he's he's acknowledged as one of our greatest players, but it's kind of maybe so long ago that um, how good he was was actually maybe forgotten. Yeah, well, um, I mean, to put it in context, uh, you know, Stanley, well, on the front of the book, there's a quote from Stanley Matthews who said he was the greatest centre half he ever had the privilege of playing alongside. Um, Tom Finney said the same, Rach Carter said the same, and obviously, uh, they might, they might all be household names now, but for a footballer in the late 1940s and early 50s, you can't really get higher praise than those three saying that. The, the, you were the toughest opponent they ever came up against um, in terms of Neil's time at Stoke obviously the it, well I say obviously because I've been doing it but the 1946-47 season the first full football league season after the second world war was the one where you know the, cl- the closest Stoke have ever come to winning a league title when it came down to the last day uh, against Sheffield United and uh, Stan left just before that game and Stoke just lacked that touch of magic. They end up losing in Liverpool, Pippen to the title. Um, that that sort of the after 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 Stan left, Stoke struggled to really be a a team that challenged for for any t- titles or honours. Um, and and Neil, it was it was only actually a year later than that in uh, 1948 that Neil first handed in a transfer request and, and looked to leave Stoke because. Like Stanley Matthews, he had quite a fractured relationship with Bob McGrory, 
the the Stoke manager. Um, but but whereas Stan had been allowed to leave because he was in his thirties, and <laughs> rather foolishly, it was thought that you know it was a lot of money to get for a player who didn't have long left in him. Obviously, it turned out he had twenty years left in him. But uh, with Neil, it, he was everyone he had three transfer requests they were all turned down and in the end the only reason that he could leave was because Independiente Santa Fe who came in for him weren't the Colombian league wasn't a part of FIFA so there was no there was no dealings with Stoke he just he just left yeah I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about that because it is a a, a bizarre Wikipedia page it's a bizarre CV Stoke Independiente Hall um, that is, it's quite a round trip. Uh, so it was like, how, what, what happened there? Well, it's it's bizarre now, and uh, you can times that by ten at the time when uh, Neil, some of the extracts are Neil talked about uh, at the time. Most people in Britain had not even heard of the country Colombia. It wouldn't they w- it wouldn't even have registered on their uh, on their radar at all. And, uh, and there was a lot that Neil himself didn't didn't know. One of the things that Stanley Matthews and well, a lot of people said was really Neil should have gone out to Colombia before he signed for them. That would would have been the um, the shrewder thing to do because uh, Colombia was in the midst of a civil war, and that was actually the reason why they were bringing in so many footballers at the time. That uh, Alfredo de Stefano and Nestor Real, a lot of uh, the best players in Argentina and Brazil and uh, Peru had, had already gone to Colombia. And the Indian Independiente Santa Fe's chairman, uh, Luis Robledo, was the, uh, he worked in the Colombian embassy in London. He was the son of a very wealthy cattle farmer. And he'd uh, studied in, in England and then gone, gone back to Colombia. And he wanted to, you know, look further afield and bring in English players, and he, he sort of he targeted Neil was his was the one that he wanted to bring along, and he did end up bringing on a, a couple of others. There was Charlie Mitten um, from Manchester United, and one or two others. But Neil was obviously the first name on the England team sheet, and the one that really uh, attracted a lot of attention. But yeah, Neil had no idea that Colombia was was, was during a civil war where two hundred thousand people died. It was quite a brutal conflict. Some of the um, some of the ways in which people were tortured and killed that they talk about in the book is quite scary. But, I mean, fortunately, it had been mostly restricted to the countryside and he was living in the capital of Bogota, but obviously, yeah. Yeah, he only ended up staying for a couple of months. He only played six games and uh, then returned and uh, Stoke wouldn't wouldn't take him back after that. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely... Uh kind of bizarre episode in in the career of uh, a proper England international and, uh, you know, the best defender of his time, perhaps of of, of all time in terms of England. Um, uh, He kind of had a a strange relationship with England as well. Did did he not decline a place in the 1950 World Cup squad? I was wondering if you could shed some light on that. Well, that that was because of the the move to Colombia. So he, uh, Neil's wife, Vera, was pregnant um, in, in in the build-up to the 1950 World Cup, England's first World Cup. And uh, after Neil played his last game for England against Scotland, um, in which he played an absolute blinder, but he, he already knew at the time that it would most likely be his last game for England, at least for a long while, if not, if not ever. Because 
he was going to go to Columbia and he knew that the, the repercussions. But he told the FA that he was not going to be available because Vera was giving birth and he didn't want to be in Brazil on the other side of the world where the World Cup was taking place in 1950. And they said, you know, they were upset about it, but they said fair enough. And then a month later, <clears throat> the news breaks that he's going to South America anyway, but uh, not Brazil, Colombia. And uh, all of a sudden the story has a slightly different uh, turn to it. I mean, Neil, Neil did insist that he wouldn't have wanted to go anyway, even if it wasn't for the, the Columbia episode. But obviously, uh, yeah, people weren't going weren't gonna to take him too uh, seriously after, after what happened. Yeah, so it's a fascinating story. I was wondering if there was anything that you discovered over the course of writing a book, writing the book that you didn't know beforehand that kind of maybe was kind of the most amazing or kind of the uh, thing you most enjoyed discovering about Neil Franklin. Um, well, um, I did. I knew very little, to be honest. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot that isn't known. I realised obviously I did quite a long form article that's probably one of the larger pieces that have been done about Neil but it's still barely scratches the surface compared to some of things I mean one of the funny things that I uh, that I did originally going into it I think it's I think it's still on his Wikipedia page now I should probably edit it it says that um, later on in Neil's career that he went to New Zealand to uh, play for uh, Wellington but uh, he actually went to Wellington United in England which then became Telford and uh, obviously somewhere along the lines that name change has tricked people into thinking he went to New Zealand which would have added another great story to uh, to the piece but, uh, but uh, there's, there was plenty uh, Neil's first when he retired his first managerial job was in uh, Cyprus managing Apoel who were at the time a fully amateur team uh, and there he became the first manager ever to win a European fixture with a Hellenic club. And right, right. in the next round, <laughs> he suffered what remains the heaviest defeat in the history of European football. Um, and then <laughs> Cyprus itself had a civil war between the uh, Turkish and the Greek Cypriots. So he had to return from there. So uh, saying the book that Neil was never far from conflict because the Second World War took you know, a lot of the early part of his career. The Civil War in Colombia made that adventure a failure and then the start of his managerial career was ended after a few months in, uh, in Cyprus. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating uh, story and I must confess to, to not knowing this, I, I, I kind of knew the name Neil Franklin and knew he was... Uh, Kind of a famous defender for Stoke City in England, but apart from that, I, I, I knew very very little. So, um, if like me, people are wanting to discover more about Neil Franklin, where and when can they uh, buy your book? Well, the 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 book's available. It's it's te- it's published on the fifteenth of August, but it's uh, available to order now. And I actually just just got them today. Uh, as a there's a pile of them in the kitchen, which I'll probably get in trouble about. So, <laughs> the sooner people buy them, the better. You can you can buy it from um, the, the website's www.englandsgreatestdefender.com. Um, that's that's the best place to, to pre-order it from. It's also on Amazon and you know the other 
the other uh, book website files and that and that type of thing. But um, yeah. Okay, brilliant, uh, Alfie. Uh, good luck with the book. Uh, thank you very much for for coming on and speaking to us. Oh, thank you for having me.